Hello and welcome to Something to Declare. We're pleased to have you with us for what is a, a very different episode for us, a presidential special today. And we'll talk more about that in a second. But first, Beth, hello. Lovely to hello. see you. How are you? Very well, thank you. And how are you? Yes, I'm all good. Thank you. Uh, pleased to be doing something a little bit different as well with the podcast. So uh, that's always good to do. It's a privilege, actually, isn't it? Because we were asked to do this. And so that's, that's quite exciting to be a bit beyond our normal. Yes, something. beyond our normal. Mm. Yeah. So we've been invited to uh, sort out today's podcast um, as part of the ongoing discernment process as to who will serve as president of our union um, following not the current president, the one after that, but the one after that. So who will get elected as vice president at this year's assembly? Trying to explain um, that to people is really complicated. Isn't it? it is. <laughs> like, it is. We oh, have... wait, it's like 20, is it 24, 25? Yes. <laughs> you can't remember. Yeah. We have to line them up in advance, you see. Mm. It takes, the, the run-up is lengthy and, and very detailed, obviously. Um, <laughs> and one of the things that I think you know we found a bit interesting is this is the first time that we have interviewed some guests on our Something to Declare podcast since we started, uh, where we've not picked the guests, where the mm. guests have come to us by some other means. Because usually that's not how it works, is it, Beth? No, absolutely not. We have like a list. And, and when I say we have a list, we literally have a list. Um, it's quite lengthy. And that's actually the reassuring thing, because we founded the podcast because we came up with why are we in this union? And the, it was because we had a huge list of people we really loved being in the union with. Um, so we created the list and we've set out to try and go around the list and interview people. And even if we're very disorganized and don't ever quite manage to interview some of the people that we'd like to interview, the, the plan is always that those are the people we would love to be in union with. So if we do ever approach you and you can't do it or for any reason, no know how much you are on a list um, that is literally on a Google Drive, cause something to declare. Um, so for this one, it was like, oh, what do we do? Because we're given a set of candidates um, that the union has picked rather than we have picked, mm -hmm. um, that the union wants to potentially have as the person to declare something to the union for a year. But we kind of figured we did we did have a uh, what my mum would call cogitate. We, we cogitated it for a while. Um, we had a moment of of discerning, didn't we? Um, we whether did. this was a good thing to do or not. But actually, I think we thought, well, we we want to make the union work in relational terms, even if not, you know, we can't, we're not in, we're not doing the rest of it. But here we are to do the relationality things in this podcast. And actually, the presidency is perhaps a very relational space and. So actually to hear the human side of the people who've offered themselves a presidency would be a really important thing to do. Um, so we've we've gone ahead and we said yes. We were approached um, and we said yes. So we need to tell you all the other places and spaces that you can go and find out a bit about these people as well. Um, so you should have had an email if you're in Baptist world for a variety of reasons to say, here are the president's nominees. Um, and you've got some lovely videos that you can show your church they've also got profiles attached to those um so you can look people up in more depth um as well so this but this is a little extra something it is a little extra something indeed um now beth do you who's the first president you remember yeah so we were talking about this weren't we uh so i think pat took 
Okay, um, 2011. Yeah. My first assembly. Mm-hmm. Um, having started. Your first one. I know. I'm very young. You are. You <laughs> so are. It was the London assembly, which everybody kept telling me for the entire three days was not like a normal assembly because it was all weird because it was in London. No, um, no, that was 2012. Oh, okay. So maybe yeah, that, was that? that was Chris Duffett. The well, no, it was the year Chris became president. So Pat's so, year was so coming not, to an so end. This, yeah, no. So Pat came to preach in college because she right. was president, the president, and then Chris took over. So that's right. Yeah. Okay. Now so I remember both that. of those very influential. Yeah, very much so. Uh, very much so. And I remember that because Chris was my handshake president. So one of the things the president has traditionally done is at assembly, they have a shake in the hand uh, with uh, all those uh, coming onto the fully accredited list when they've completed their newly accredited ministry. Um, and obviously, Chris's year, we had hugs as well as handshakes, which was great. Um, but I remember Pat's presidency particularly, um, because, and that's the first year I remember, I think I remember the theme of the presidency, you know, so I was aware of who the president was from, I reckon, from sort of Roy Sir, which is sort of 2005. He's the first person I remember hearing about as the president. Um, but Pat's year was, I think it was called Your Kingdom Come. It's all about parables. It was a great assembly in Blackpool um, that year. Um, and we had uh, Pat was speaking. I remember Wale spoke as part of that assembly and uh, Jeff Lucas was there and Julie Pennington Russell ah. on our podcast came over from uh, Decatur in Georgia, where she was at the time to speak at the invitation of BMS that evening. And she spoke on the parable of the wheat and the weeds. And I remember it well, because that was a bit of a game changing uh, session for me and my ministry. Um, so yeah, I remember that assembly really vividly. It's funny how some of them do just stick with you in that way. Um, so yeah, that was Blackpool 2011, but yeah, Roy is probably the first one I remember, um, who they were, but we've had some very interesting people serve as president over the years. And, uh, you, the list is available on the Baptist Union website. You can look up former BUGB presidents and all the information is there going back to 1971 don't know what happened pre-1971 if you do know the answer to that perhaps you can tweet us or email Andy us Lillet, this is your moment yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes, Andy, let us know um brilliant um and I, I i was thinking about all the different presidencies and i've you know been blessed by them all in different ways um, and you mentioned chris chris's presidency i think was quite notable for the way in which it engaged with people across the union and Chris did it quite differently in terms of the way he went out and met with different associations and coming for a whole weekend and we did some creative evangelism it was really good fun um and Jenny Entrican's presidency I think really um seemed to find the mark with people seemed to really engage with lots of her theme of daring greatly um, and there was a lot of interaction um, with. I'm going to put in a pitch for uh, Dave Gregory's as well here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he did it as Doctor Dave, and it was like messy church <laughs> science. But but actually, he's had such an impact with Buen and environmental justice and and all of that. And actually, he's a really clear example. He's somebody's taken the president emeritus role very seriously and kind of offered mm. long term something into that. Jeff Colmer. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, rhythms of grace. And um, I think, you know, I'm never going to look at a kingfisher in the same way again. So, no, that's true. I think, um, President Emeritus, have you just created a new role? I, I think um, that's what it's called, isn't it? Is, is that what it's called? Oh, um, because so I thought you vice had president, to... president, 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 president Emeritus. 
Oh, well, I thought it was vice president, president, and then you have one year as past president. So it's oh. a three-year cycle. You have your ramp up, your year, and then your ramp down. And then that's it. You're done. Yeah. But, I'm sure that's probably true. But I think once you've been a president, always a president, surely. Do you think? Do you not like, think it's like, you know, um, in the Anglican world, they ordain people in a threefold thing of ministry where they make you a deacon and then a priest and, and then if you're like eventually hierarchical enough a bishop but the joke is always once a deacon always a deacon that um however high up you ever get in the church you're always the lowest office that you could have held so you should always remember that your servanthood comes first um, okay so we're saying okay. presidency is the lowest office that one can hold I, i'm thinking probably it's the opposite in our world but oh okay but, but maybe yeah, but maybe yeah. that's a nice joy of being Baptist is that we we do it the other way around. We have a really <laughs> low view of hierarchy and a really high view of laity. So it's important that we twist them. Yeah. I like that. And we may come back to that, having mm. heard from our uh, nominees. Now, um, as uh, you may know, if you're listening to us, and particularly if you've tuned in, uh, having never heard the podcast before, because it's a presidency special, um, there are four nominees for president uh, this year. Now, we um, planned and hoped to have a very short conversation. It's not going to be like a really long podcast with our usual interview length with all of them, because that would be beyond um, everyone's capacity, I suspect. Um, but we've had a short conversation um, and the plan was to chat with everybody. So we, we couldn't all be in the same room at the same time. So we did a bit of divide and conquer. You got two. I got two. And I've singularly failed to make sure there's an interview for both of my people here. Um, and uh, that's because we haven't been able to have a chat with uh, Brian Scott, who's one of the nominees this year. Brian's been really unwell for the last 10 days or so. So, Brian, much love to you if you're listening. And we hope that you're going to be feeling better really soon. And um, when we get to the end of the chats, we'll reflect a little bit on Brian's theme. So we're sorry about that. But we have had a chat with Mark Elder and John Fruit and Steve Finnamore. I got to chat with John. You chatted with Steve and with Mark. So we're going to listen in to those now. And we're just going to hear them back to back, one after the other. So we're not going to comment in between. So we're going to hear the three interview uh, conversations. And then uh, we'll come back and reflect on all of that um, a little bit later on. Beth, is there anything you need to say before we cut to the interviews? Oh, maybe we should say that we're we're trying to be neutral, um, okay. As much as anybody ever can be, we very much haven't gone with an agenda or a kind of view of what we think the next, who we think the next president should be. We've very much asked the same sets of questions to the same like the different candidates, and um, nothing we're going to say in the chat afterwards is going to be particularly agendered. We're going to try and pick up on the themes and ideas and the things that we've heard, so that it gives a kind of place and a scope for everybody else to hear what we think we've heard in that but it's not it's not got a it's not got like a this is our preferred candidate and now we're going to be championing them in our election like process or anything like that at all so no, in fact we're really grateful point. for the trust that they they will put in us to to meet with us and talk to us because they might you know we we could have edited it differently um, and they've trusted us not to so thank you for them doing that and we haven't, just for clarity, we've not edited anything out of these conversations. Um, we never yeah, that's do, we just waffle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's a really good point. So thank you so much uh, for that. This is We're not shilling for any of the, the candidates here. You may have voted already, actually. You know, This was going out with a month to go. 
Um, and if it's part of helping you decide, then that's really great. But if you've already voted, I'd encourage you to listen to all of the interviews all the same, not just the person that you think should be um, elected. And because as we'll talk about in a minute, I think we were really blessed just by being part of these three conversations. And so we trust that you will be too. So let's listen into the first of those now. And we'll be back after we've heard the presidential interviews. Hi, Steve, and uh, a very warm welcome to Something to Declare. It's great to have you with us today. That's really kind of you, Beth. Thank you. Um, uh, Steve, I wondered, um, we're listening to a little bit about uh, each of the nominees for presidency and, and kind of what they are about and who they are as people and just giving people another chance, uh, as well as your lovely videos, just to kind of hear a bit about you and, and uh, find out who you are. Do you, I wonder if you'd like to, to kind of give us a little kind of um, I explain to in very short summary what, what is your presidential theme for the year what are you hoping uh, to kind of bring okay well I think it's a tricky one for me because I don't think I'm sitting here because I'm burning to say something to our networks I, I, I guess I was asked if I would do this and the reason I wanted to jump at the opportunity uh, or perhaps that's exaggerating my feelings about all this. The reason I agreed was because at heart, I'm just very, very grateful to our networks of churches for the opportunities that they've given me uh, for, for more years than I care to remember. Maybe I've been involved in Baptist churches now for something like 45 years. And so I'm just really grateful to them and I want them to hear that there are people who think they're great and uh, want to encourage them to be who they are at their very best. So I guess that's what's driving me to accept the idea of being nominated for this. Uh, but if I'm forced to, to choose a, a theme or two, there, there are two things that, uh, that are on my heart. One, one is really about the place of the Bible in our shared life and in our worship uh, and wanting to ensure that we keep that central. Uh, and the second thing is about young leaders. I'm really concerned that we're discouraging or turning away uh, young candidates for ministry. I want to see us encouraging uh, younger people into Baptist ministry, into other forms of leadership. I want to see us intentionally mentoring young people and encouraging them to take uh, theology and Baptist life seriously and to commit themselves to a lifetime of ministry. Uh, so I guess those are the things that are on my heart for us. Mm. I'll stop there. That's, that's really interesting. Um, were, you, were you by any chance a, a young minister uh, once upon a time then? Is that, is that the, I'm interested you're picking up on young leaders and, and a lifetime of ministry and you've, you kind of alluded in the background that you'd had a rather long time in ministry. Is that something that that's kind of come out of your personal experience of being mentored into ministry? And I guess I, I was a younger leader, not, I wasn't a minister to begin with. I was, but I was in my early to mid 20s when I was asked to be a deacon and a church secretary in the church that I was relatively new to in South London and 
that that encouragement that I got there and that invitation to to serve and to be close to the heart of the community uh, really impacted me mm. and uh, has in the end it's directed the course of my of my life so I'm very grateful to those people who prepared were prepared to give me an opportunity when I was relatively young for those kinds of positions mm. at least by the time we got to the uh, the late 70s and the 80s it was unusual mm. or it felt unusual at the time um and I just think we should be encouraging people who are younger to take up those kinds of responsibilities to to not you know to, to serve in those kinds of roles as well as to consider uh ministry and eventually after a brief period overseas uh, I did train for ministry and I ended up pastor of a church here in Bristol and then was asked to come and work at the college here in Bristol, which has been a tremendous privilege. Um, so you, you kind of mentioned a couple of your themes there and um, and you you mentioned gratitude as one of the reasons why you're standing for presidency. I wonder, um, how do you understand the role of president? Um, what's your What do you think it is? Well, that's that's a really great question. And it's over the years I've been involved, it's changed out of all recognition. Uh, but I think it's uh, an opportunity to invite somebody to speak into the life of our networks for a predetermined period of time. And not everybody will take up that opportunity to listen, but some will. Uh, there are small opportunities when we get together for assembly. There are occasional opportunities with ministers' conferences. There are associations and churches that will make a point of inviting whoever is president to, to contribute in some way. So it's a way of uh, speaking into the life of our, of our networks of churches and associations and colleges for a limited period. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think that's what it is. And you hope to pick up something which will resonate with other people and that they'll want to engage with. And when it works really well, it creates this kind of ripple effect as people pick up the ideas and work with them beyond the period of the presidency. Mm. Uh, that doesn't always happen, but when it does, that's often a really good thing. So trying to find a theme that resonates and uh, making a short-term contribution to our national, regional and local lives. Um, I wonder, um, we've had a little bit about your kind of your early life into ministry, heard a bit about presidency. Um, what's like something that maybe people might not know about you in, um, you know, I think I think you might be a name. Sometimes there are Baptist names. I, Steve, I'm going to suggest you might be one of those Baptist names. So perhaps some people might think they know, they know who you are. Is there something? What 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 might what might we not know about you? Tell us a little bit of a, a fun fact or something about you. If you had a top trumps card, what would be your like uh, your key part of information about you? Oh goodness, Beth, that's quite a question. I don't know where to, to <laughs> even start. I haven't, you know. My, I regard my life as pretty much an open book, but I haven't realised I was a name, uh, <laughs> whatever that means, amongst us. Um, so what, what might people not know that is interesting? Um, I'm, 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 
putting me to the test now because I don't know what people know about me. I'm a, I'm a, do people know I'm a big football fan? So I, I play football, uh, which I love doing with groups of lads on a Friday night, all ages. There's one that's older than me, but mostly younger. And I spend my Friday evenings terrified by these guys in their 20s running at me with the football. And it's my job to get in the way. Uh, at least intentionally, I go for the ball, but sometimes you, know, you just can't help yourself, can you? Uh, and I follow uh, a team called AFC Wimbledon in the lower parts of the Football League. And I'm one of the, uh, the co-owners of that community-owned club. Mm -hmm. Although these days, being stuck here in Bristol, I don't get to go to see them that often, but I follow them as closely as I can from here. Mm -hmm. So those are things about me. I'm a big music fan. I love, uh, when I was younger, I saw all the big bands. These days, I tend to go for smaller concerts, but I love uh, Americana and stuff like that. And there are enough venues here in Bristol for me to get out to a concert every now and then. Mm. Uh, so that's something I really enjoy. And one of my great regrets in life is that I'm not particularly musical. I can scarcely hold a tune, much less play a musical instrument. But I do love people who are good at it. And I love listening to them. Mm. I really appreciate their, uh, their expertise and their artistry. So those are, those are, maybe those are things people don't, wouldn't know. I, I mean, I, I didn't know you were a Wimbledon fan, so that's me. Uh, there you go. So, do you know um, who Wimbledon are? I do because my husband is a Wickham supporter. So oh, okay. I, I am well acquainted with the lower leagues of football, um, more than I would like to be at times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fair enough. Um, Acquired taste. <laughs> It's just very cold in the away end is what I've experienced. <laughs> so, um, so it's, uh, Steve, we always ask people two questions when they come on the podcast. Um, I wanted to ask these of you. Um, if you had one thing to declare to our union, what would it be? Thank you. I've been really struggling with this question. This is the one that you've given be notice of and therefore I've had to think about rather than speak on off the cuff. <laughs> uh, the truth is I'm not sure that I've got anything I want to declare. I'm, I'm not some fiery prophet handing down the view of heaven. It might be a great thing to be and I often wish I was. I'd like to imagine dropping truth bombs into every single conversation but that is not me and I think the thing I want to say to the union is what I've said to you just now, how grateful I am to God for it. Mm. I'm not a cradle Baptist. My name isn't there on any of those cradle rolls that are still on the walls of some of our churches. But when I first arrived in a Baptist church, it was like arriving home. It was a community where I belonged and that was willing to put up with me and to give me opportunities. Uh, you know, and the union, you know, took me on uh, as a minister. Uh, and the union helped contribute to the costs of not only my undergraduate work, but also my postgraduate work. So all these opportunities and things I've been able to do, I owe to our networks. I was allowed to serve as a local pastor and then spend uh, 17 years helping to prepare the next generation of our ministers for our churches. Mm. So I think our network is great. It's been very kind to me. And if I ever have anything at all to declare, it's to say, thank you. Of course, that doesn't mean 
that I don't have lots of opinions about things. <laughs> I'm afraid I do, uh, including some of the stuff that's going on in our union at the moment. But they're all secondary to the one thing, my main feeling that I'm deeply grateful to God for our union. Uh, I believe that God has called it into being for a purpose and that we should, however difficult it may seem at times, uh, maintain our faith and our confidence in God. Thank you. Um, the other question we ask is, um, if you think that Baptist Union has something to declare to the world, what would it be? Okay, thank you. Uh, I'm going to find this difficult too, because it's it's a big world and <laughs> different people need to hear different things. And I, I always think of the people I knew in South America, and people I, I knew in other parts of the world and people I know, the, in the different groups that I meet with, uh, either through my role here or in the rest of my life. And I think they all need to hear different things. There are, there are, there are things I want to say to politicians and others with influence and things I want to say uh, to other people. But I guess if you're asking me one particular question, I, I would say there is another way to do things. Uh, and what, what Baptists have to offer is that for several centuries, We've done things in a different way to the ways that other people do things. But there is another way. There is an alternative. There are people who know how to do things in ways which, at their best, are participative, are cooperative, are local, are community-focused. And so I want to say there isn't only one way to do stuff. There's another way to think about things. Hmm. I might also want to say... Uh, to the world remember that you are created and I think the fact that we're someone's creatures uh, that someone has made us tells us a, a number of different things it means that we are loved means that we're accountable and it means that we have limitations uh, God is God we are not and I think maybe that's something that the world or parts of it might need to hear too mm -hmm. Thank you. Steve, thank you so much for your time um, and fitting us in in what's, I know, a busy week for you. Um, we really appreciate that. And um, we're really hopeful that this is uh, a way of people having a bit more of a flavour of the presidency and being able to engage with the different nominees, hear a bit about their lives um, in such a way that maybe can just help inform uh, as we kind of make decisions together. So thank you so much for coming and bringing your time and telling us a little bit about where your heart is and what your heart's about. So thank you for that. Thank you, Beth. It's really kind of you to have invited me and uh, I'm very grateful to you. Thank you. Well, John, uh, welcome to our Something to Declare uh, podcast. Really lovely to have the chance to chat with you this afternoon. And uh, thank you for you know being willing to serve as president. Um, yes. What do you want me to say there? Do you, do I... <laughs> no, that's, um, well, we were talking just now about the fact, that, and I didn't know this, um, I, I knew from your information that you sent out that your dad was a, a minister, but I hadn't realised that your, your father had served as president uh, in, in the 60s. Only of the Yorkshire Association. Of the Yorkshire Association. Okay, right. Yeah, but um, so 
you're you've got a bit of a lifelong Baptist connection. Then, do you consider yourself to be Baptist Baptist? Yeah, to my bootstraps. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I. It's not just my dad, but my grandfather and my great grandfather as well, through the old Baptist Union. Yeah. So there's this. Yeah. It's in the blood. Yeah. What a heritage. My little brother is a, an Anglican vicar. Oh, okay. One slip through the net. Well, when he was growing up, uh, dad was dead. And uh, the church was the Church of England that had a choir and scouts and things. So he, he has kind of dual nationality, having been properly <laughs> baptised. Brilliant. Um, so, John, thank you for the information you put together. Um, your sort of your profile, the little video uh, as well. That was a film that was sent out to everybody. Um, talk to us a little bit about um, sort of your your theme, what it is you're uh, looking to bring to the role if if you're called to serve. Well, yeah, that, this is, is kind of me declarations, really. You, you have been asking something to declare, you know, and this is what I want to say, really. We are a union. We are a union and we choose to be together with people that we don't necessarily agree with. And sometimes possibly we don't even like, um, but that doesn't matter because we don't have to be the same. You know, God's made us different, all of us, one way or another. And as individuals within the church, we try to find what God wants for us and what, uh, what he wants us to do for him. And each one of us, as I say, will do something different. And I don't see any problem why different churches should have different emphases, as we would say, uh, and do things differently like that. And we don't have to fall out because somebody else in a different church thinks differently to ours. Mm. And what excites you most about the role of president? What would be the parts of the role that you, you'd be most excited to be part of? Well, it's this opportunity to work, to meet Baptists all over the country because I get to do a bit of that, doing what I do anyway. But um, to have the opportunity as well for people to listen because the the role of president carries um, it's almost a demand that you listen to what they're saying. And do you um, do you like the sort of the networking people meeting side of? of life very much very much I mean, we you and i had the conversation earlier with mutual facebook friends yes <laughs> it's phenomenal the uh, the small world i think it is the baptist world is is a particularly small one um and that yeah you you're never uh, i don't know how many degrees of separation it is but it's definitely less than six uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um uh, John, tell us a little bit about uh, your work with the Zephaniah Trust for people who uh, haven't come across it before. Yeah, uh, I used to be a teacher and I left teaching to work in schools and, uh, and in other places like small churches that can't afford a fee. So we set a charity up, the Zephaniah Trust, and uh, that was 29 years ago this week. We're having, our, we're having our birthday celebrations on Sunday, Saturday and Sunday. Mm -hmm. um, 
we go this set up with just me but we now have five of us and we go into schools or we go as i say anywhere else where we can take the gifts that god's given us and tell people about the love of jesus you know so this morning i was in a school this lunchtime i should have been in a school but they've discovered they've got tables out for mock a levels so um I, I was relegated <laughs> I come behind A-levels in priorities. Yeah, yeah. Um, tomorrow afternoon, I'm talking and singing to a ladies' group at the Methodist Church. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I, yeah, I get, I get about, and we do it free at point of use. So that okay. it, there isn't then an excuse for schools to say, oh, we can't afford you. And uh, there isn't there isn't an obstacle because we can just go in and we can do, as I say, what we do. Last week, now week before half term, we took our refugee voices project into one of Bradford's Catholic primaries, um, and it's it talks of refugees who've come to Bradford and the stories that they have and how. They were blessed by people helping them. And that sounds great. It is a joy to do it. It mm. is. And I, I know for 29 years, I'm assuming you, you've got relationships with a lot of the, the head teachers and, and people working in the schools that enable you to, to build on that and work with them over a longer term. Yes, yes. The, those that haven't retired already. Yes. <laughs> so, the ones from 29 years ago, most of them have. And one of one of my roles, apart from doing the upfront thing and talking and singing with the children, is to just listen to heads when they're having a bad time, sit and drink their coffee and and listen to them. Yeah, it's a bit it's a bit hard sometimes. Yeah, but so needed. And it's, with you having been a teacher, you, you understand it from, yeah. from that side as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and John, you wrote in your paperwork that you've been at, at Shipley Baptist for um, a little while now, 40, 40 years this year, is that right? 40 years, yes. Yeah, and uh, you've been church secretary a couple of times in that period uh -huh. as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, how has it been being in in a church for uh, four decades? I mean, you've seen a lot of people come and go, changes come and go. Well, yes, yeah. When we got there, uh, we, we moved house to be near where I was teaching. Um, we got two children and didn't have enough bedrooms okay. in the original house. So we, we moved to where it was closer. And Shipley was one place I've never been because I, I been to a lot of Baptist churches with my dad you know he would preach and I'd go and listen and I suppose learn you know but well listen anyway and and meet people um Shipley I'd never been but we we moved in we settled and uh, Sheena got baptized fairly soon after that she was brought up a Methodist and the church was fairly small so 50 members is, is smallish, isn't it? 
we had an ecumenical mission in 1991 and the uh, the church caught the vision and the church doubled in congregation and in membership um really before the mission started because okay. they just got this vision of going and telling people and bringing their friends in and it was it was brilliant um and then we had a bit of falling back a couple of uh couple of disasters that we can't really talk about here nope. and we're now on an upward swing again um different challenges to the upward swing we we have some ukrainians who speak very little english mm -hmm. uh some nigerians some indians <laughs> we've got all kinds of people who have found a home there yeah yeah it sounds uh well sort of enriching and enlivening um yeah yeah, yeah. so there, there have been some dark times really you know yeah. but uh, yeah stick um, around that's the thing there's a lot to be said for sticking around there absolutely is yeah you bet <laughs> um so john everyone who comes onto the podcast um we always ask them these two questions and yeah. i know we've sort of touched on some of this already but I, i'm going to ask you the questions all the same um, the first is that if you had one thing to declare to the union, Baptist Union, at this moment, what would that be? We're a union. Just that. We, we are a union. We are together by choice. Not because we're told we have to do the same things, but we choose to be together. Wonderful. Thank you. And our second question that we always ask everybody if you think Baptists had one thing to declare to the world in this moment, what would that be? Yeah, I, I would want us to say that although different churches are different, that's actually a plus, that's a positive. We all have the same core belief, you know, the old ichthus, the Jesus Christ, God's son, saviour. And the bits around the edges of that we disagree with sometimes. Um, we don't necessarily get on very well with other churches, but somewhere there is a church for you. Somewhere there's a church that will welcome you and you'll feel accepted because God is accepting. He just does it in different ways, in different places, at different times for different people. Wonderful. That's so good. Thank you, John, so much for uh, your time this afternoon. We appreciate that. And uh, uh, we pray um, for you as you continue through this discernment process over the next uh, few weeks and uh, look forward to catching up again another time. Thank you. Take care. Hello, Mark. It's really lovely to have you with us on Something to Declare. Welcome. Hello, Beth. Good to be here. Oh, it's great to have you. Uh, Mark, you're here because we're, uh, we're meeting and talking to all of the nominees for the president for this coming, uh, for well, this next round of presidential nominations. Yeah. And um, uh, we wanted to um, just to hear a little bit, a bit more about uh, who the different people are. People have had a chance to watch the videos that have come round uh, through Baptist Together, but we wanted to give people a chance just to listen and hear a little bit more about people and what they 
think and who they are and all those sorts of things. So really, um, I wonder if you want to, to tell a little bit about what your vision for presidency is, what your theme is, maybe just to kind of in a nutshell, what do you think? Well, I believe in, I, I be, I believe in the gospel. Um, I, I, I want to say that as somebody who uh, continues to be uh, struck by the person of Jesus, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about, uh, about him and what he stands for and the relevance of uh, what the scriptures teach us about him and what we do with that today. I, I, my, my ministry over the years has brought me to serve what I describe as inherited historical Baptist churches, which is the long title for sort of local Baptist churches, mainly in the North, but not, not exclusively. Um, I ventured for a little while into the Midlands as well. Um, and so, so, so for me, uh, what matters is, is about the local church reflecting who Jesus is. We are the now body of Christ. So, uh, so for me, that's a challenge as a church leader to both personally and in terms of my role as a leader in the church to ensure that we don't forget that and we mm. figure out what that means for us. Mm. Absolutely. How challenging that is. <laughs> Um, it, it, and it's a challenge. Absolutely, it is. Um, so um, I'm kind of hearing that, you know, your kind of what you've bring as a theme then. Um, what do you think the role of the president is? I, I think there's an, it's an opportunity. Uh, it's an opportunity to do a number of things. One, one it's an opportunity to encourage. Mm. And, and like everyone else, I need encouraging. Um, and, and I see all sorts of um, some brilliant people around the country, actually, who do great things and uh, need encouraging. Mm. I think that, that's part of it. I also think there's an opportunity to say something prophetic and timely. Um, and and I'm, I look forward, if, if uh, given the opportunity, to share my heart around what, not, not that I've got a, a great revelation to share with the Baptist world, uh, because my theme of loving God and loving people uh, it is it is something which I've thought a lot about actually that um, not that Christians don't love God and love people but sometimes I worry that we're in danger of losing what for me is is the main thing um, that it's about loving God and loving people and and interestingly my ministry as, as has taken me over the years to a place where where I focused, I think, on two things. One is our, our need to to learn more about God and to think about God. Mm. I, I suppose you might call it um, the whole notion of being transformed in our minds, and and then and then the other side of it is about encountering and experiencing God. So learning about God and experiencing God for me go together which is why I've I, I've lived in this tension of, of sort of living halfway between a classroom and a local church because I really am passionate about good theology and I'm passionate that good that theologians need to understand that that we need to encounter and experience God as, as well so it's a both and rather than an either or and so for me loving God and, and loving people is about um thinking about how we do that 
thinking carefully about what that looks like for us and for different people in different churches it might look it, it, it won't it's not one size fits all necessarily but I do think that there's something about experiencing God and and for me my my story my testimony is a, a person whose life's being touched and transformed by the renewing power of the Holy Spirit which is I suppose one of the reasons why you might call me charismatic theologically I'm happy with that title um and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm even more or less happy with the title of evangelical, just so long as I also get a couple of minutes afterwards to explain what I mean yes. by it. But that's another <laughs> conversation for another time, no doubt. Well, I don't know if you want to tell us what you mean by it. I'd be really interested. <laughs> well, I, a number of years ago when I was studying for a master's degree, I had the opportunity to go and spend an hour in the presence of probably the greatest evangelical theologian uh, the back half of the last century, John Stott, um, and uh, I said, I asked him, you know, what is it? What is an evangelical? Uh, and he gave me the classic answer: we have, it's about the cross, it's about Christian conversion, it's about um, the authority of the Bible, and it's about Christian activism. And I love that. I, I think I, I'm happy to work on that on, on that basis. And I am I'm probably boringly orthodox, therefore, as an evangelical. I yes, I hear that. I always think, how do you um you you mentioned charismatic, and um I yeah. think that's probably also one of those words that people hear slightly different things in. Um yeah. what do you mean what do you mean by charismatic? You talked about the experience of God, it's a very real experience. Yes. Um I think I think a, a charismatic believes that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are, are for today's church. Mm. I, I, there are easy caricatures, um, you know, so I have to say, if I'm being honest, that, you know, I don't have three prophetic dreams before breakfast, <laughs> only on a Sunday. No, no, not, not normally. Um, but, but I do believe the gifts of the Spirit are for today's church, and I, and I do think that those of us who are committed to this, the, the renewal of the spirit shouldn't forget that. Mm. I, I also believe that the spirit does far more than, than we give him credit for, not just within the, and it's not limited to the church either, of course, um, is at work in the world. So I want to work alongside him and what he's wanting to do. Uh, and th there are plenty of times in my pastoral ministry over the years when I've just sense that God is up to something by his spirit in the community as well as in the church mm. so I want I want to I want to work with him I found that working with him rather than sort of going off doing my own thing all the time um, there are big differences between the two I believe in the fruit of the Holy Spirit that character formation mm. is important and, and I'd like to think that as each year passes I can be a little bit more like Jesus than I was this time last year. And I, I think that matters. These are all aspects of the work of the spirit. And therefore, that's one of the reasons why I'm a charismatic. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. This like idea that God is just so much bigger. Than me. Yeah. <laughs> we we yeah. try to yeah, domesticate God into sort of into a church size box. And yeah, God is inviting us to join in this plan of salvation, which is extraordinary. Yeah. yeah yeah um thank you um uh i wonder um 
we get a kind of sort of potted history versions of, of you and your testimony. You've talked a little bit about some of those things already as well. Um, give us, would you be up for telling us something about it so people wouldn't necessarily know about you? Um, that sort of doesn't come up in the kind of, you know, the kind of little biography that you always end up with kind of like, oh, I'm a minister here and I'm married to so-and-so. Uh, but kind of the perhaps a bit more of the kind of, um, you know, something that perhaps we wouldn't know about you, that's perhaps surprising about you. Well, I, I love sport um, and um, I've had the opportunity. Nowadays, I play a bit of tennis and a, and, and a, bit, of, um, and a bit of golf. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I love doing that. But I was the, um, here's a piece of information that my wife reminds me of from time to time. I was the under 17 boys tennis champion. Wow. Um, but 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 that was a long time ago. So 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 if, if we're in the business here of sharing things that I still think oh, I was quite good at tennis once in a long time. That's um, very good at tennis. I, 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 I love I love music. Um, I like to cook. Oh yes, I like to cook, uh, and I cook far more regularly than my wife does. Um, so uh, I like to think about about that and enjoy nothing more than cooking and having friends around and fooding and drinking and talking. Mm. So I love all that. Uh, I think Jesus gives us license to enjoy yes. that. If you know, not that I need any license from Jesus <laughs> to do it, but there we go. <laughs> no, but I I think you're right. There is um there's a sort of a lovely. Uh, there's a lovely set of stories that make you think Jesus was a bit of a foodie. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, thank you. Um, so we always have these two questions um, that yeah. we ask people at, in the podcast, and we uh, we ask everybody uh, kind of a whole var varied selection of answers. Um, I wanted to make sure that we asked you these questions whilst you were here too. Okay. Um, if you had one thing to declare to the union, what would it be? if you had something to declare to the union? I, I would like to say to the union, um, so this is an, uh, is an, an in-house thing. Mm. I would like to say to the union that our present conversations on sexuality do not need to divide us. That's what I'd like to say. Um, and maybe I'm naive. But, but, but I, I have a very high view of, of the grace of God. Uh, and so, so I would like to say that to the union. And if I can have sort of a, a, another little go at this, I, I would also like to say, let's not give up on the power of the gospel to continue to change people's lives. Mm. And the confidence in that, confidence in believing that um, the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus uh, absolutely hugely important life-changing events and we get the opportunity and the privilege of being able to talk about that and share that and live that today mm. let's not let's not move away from that thank you so um then our second question if yeah you think baptists have something to declare to the world what would it be I, well, when I think of, of, of Baptist, I've, I've done a, a fair bit of work on this. Um, you know, what is, it, what is it about our local church that attracts people if they are attracted to it? And I have to say that I think denominationalism 
is, if I'm being frank, it's probably dead. Yes. Uh, I may as well just say it as, a, as, as it is. But, but, but actually, the, the values, the cluster of values that make us Baptists are, are as important, I think, as they've ever been. So, so I, for me, free thinking, um, no coercion, mm. uh, roomy discipleship, space to disagree well, a belief in the grace of God. Um, these are all things which together, um, a, a, a passion to unpack and um, read the scriptures well and wisely. All of that makes me, I, 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 I'm becoming more Baptist the older I get, I think, actually. Um, <laughs> I, I'm just not everybody's version of perhaps what, I, what they think a Baptist is. Um, I actually think Baptists who are, are quite quite radical um, and uh, I think there's got to be place and, and I know there is a place at the table but it, it's got to be a, a place that we take humbly actually with our sisters and brothers um, and, and I love working ecumenically with uh, in this local community where I am now having been in in bigger settings than the one I'm at now I'm in a, in a village and I, and I work with um, a Roman Catholic church and an Anglican church. Um, and, and it's it's an absolute joy for me to do. I love that. Mm. You know, uh, the, the, the fact that we get to work together to connect with this community and invite them back into the kingdom of God. It's, it's just such a pleasure. Mm. Um, use the beautiful phrase, roomy discipleship. Tell, yeah. me, tell me that a bit more what's that mean I, I think it's about understanding what we it, it's about it's about understanding what we need to contest and what we don't need to contest hmm. so I can sit in a room with with with, with you or any, any any other Jesus following person and, and and there will be a small number of fundamentals which are absolutely core fundamentals around the divinity of Christ and the death and burial of Jesus and so on. And, and then an, an, an elevated place for the scriptures as well. Um, I think that all of that matters. But, and I think this is a real issue for the debate that we're having at the moment, that we, we, we mustn't actually make into defining first-rate issues those issues which are, which matter and, and people are passionate about but should not stop us having gracious and joyful fellowship together that's what i mean by roomy discipleship mm. so we um in, in this church i've been I've, I've not been here that long only 18 months but i'm beginning to realize that there are those in the church who um you know are not all like me uh, that that's that, that's allowed i think that's that that's okay uh, and I'm, it, it might sound quite, I don't know whether it makes me sound quite woke uh, to say so, but I don't mind being quite woke from time to time, uh, to be honest. Um, That's probably one of those phrases everybody thinks differently, isn't it? It is. It's a provocative word, but uh, if it's about being kind, I'm all for being kind, frankly. Um, yeah. So uh, perhaps just stick with the word kind, but 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 I do think we we have a knack in the church. Church history tells us actually that we have a knack of turning issues which are, are, are not actually 
core issues in our church. Uh, and, and, and I can already hear people who I know and love saying, yes, but Mark, yes, but Mark. I understand all that. Um, but I do, I do think at the, I think roomy discipleship is something that really matters right at the moment. Mm. Yeah, it makes me think of that um, in my father's house. There are many rooms. Yeah. 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 Well, Mark. Thank you. Um, just a small snippet of, of who you are and your heart and your heart for the Baptist world and for, um, for, for what you might bring to the presidency. And thank you. Thank you for standing and making yourself vulnerable to the process. Uh, and thank you for taking this time to spend with us and, and just for Pleasure. us and our listeners to hear a little bit more about who you are. Um, that's really uh, kind of you. Um, and we um, we just want to say thank you and we'll be praying in for all of you in this process um, uh, that, yeah, that that the conversation that's had through this will be um, something that is prophetic for our union as well. Um, so, um, yeah, thank you very much for being us today. Enjoyed that. OK, well, there we go. Three interviews with uh, presidential nominees. So as we said a bit earlier in the podcast, we're sorry that uh, Brian's been unable to join us because he's not been uh, well. But you can, as Beth said earlier, get all the information about Brian's nomination on the Baptist Union website. There is uh, a video and a written profile there as well. And in Brian's written profile, um, he talks uh, a couple of times about us needing someone to invig invigorate, rejuvenate and revitalize our life together as we go through this time of change and Brian's a, a really experienced minister doing great things at uh, Cannon Street Memorial um, Baptist Church in uh, Birmingham uh, I had the privilege of sitting next to Brian at a conference uh, last year having never met him before and had a great conversation with him and about his ministry and what he's been doing with the church there and uh, if I'm sure he would be a great blessing were he uh, elected to serve so uh, thank you Brian for being willing oh and we should say um, if it's not immediately obvious because it it wasn't immediately obvious but Beth and that might just be me but um, on the website there is a link at the top there's like a little link that you can click on that says download like the written profiles um, and like because the thing that's really obvious is the videos and the videos are lovely um, but if you need something to print off and give to people in church life or um, you're just somebody likes to read what people have written down um, uh, that actually that's there at the top and it's just a little bit hidden in a link and I wouldn't know that was there if David Hunt told me so just saying that to everybody else excellent thank you um so Beth what do you make of all of that then um what do you think that uh, they might have in common where hmm. do you want to start yeah where do we begin um <laughs> so I think Oh, I think so many things. Um, <laughs> I think one of the most interesting things is that the two of the, the you know, two, kind of the three that we've heard have all talked about the kind of continuum of what they thought presidency was. Um, yeah. And and I think that was a really interesting question to ask in different ways. And I'm really glad that we kind of, that's what we kind of asked. What do you even think the presidency is? Because <laughs> what do you think you're being elected to? And there was a kind of real, con like a kind of continuum for it's a listening role to it's a prophetic kind of advocacy role of I have to say a thing and then what does that mean as well but um but but the kind of the the interplay of those themes across the different candidates was really interesting to me um yeah 
kind of actually how much is it a talking role how much is it a listening and receiving role um yeah kind of what quite are we doing here mm -hmm. yeah i mean officially um on the uh, on the website the union website it says that the role of president is to be a communicator and facilitator they join the core leadership team and the accompanying group and that they are to be a focus for our unity and that uh, they often have a role representing us ecumenically and yeah. other um, external bodies so often at the cenotaph for example on remembrance uh sunday so so it's one of those roles though that i think seems to have quite a lot of scope as we were saying a bit earlier depending on who the president is for it to be shaped in different ways i think there's a lot of wiggle room there depending on uh, how you want to bring it to you um mm. So I think that's really interesting. Yeah, it was really interesting to hear their answers to to those questions. I think because there is the question that pops its head up every so often, doesn't it? That was a bad sentence, but you know what I mean. Um, about actually, why do we still have this role at all? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It does. It does come around. But I think for as long as we do, then I think there is there is a lot to be gained and blessed by if we come to it with open minds and are willing to to receive uh, what the president brings uh, to well us. I was thinking one of the nice things about being Baptist in this moment is um, that we have uh, one of our offers on the table is, is somebody who's lay. And actually, um, if you look at other churches who might have a similar mm. different ecclesiology, but the most similar ecclesiologies to us. Um, so somebody like the Methodist Church, for example, would have a president as well as a kind of a role that's. And in a very similar way to we kind of have a general secretary and then we also have a kind of an elected president every year. They have an elected president every year. Um, they also have an elected vice president every year. And the difference for them is that the elected president is always ordained and the elected vice president is always a lay person. And the great thing about that is that they always have a lay person feeding into big discussions in, in Methodist church life. And that's a really important and very valued thing in their denomination. Yes. What I love, however, for us is there's no hierarchy in that, that we just think you can just be nominated to be president. We don't often nominate lay people to be president, if no. we're really honest. Um, it can sometimes be a bit of a your last hurrah of a prominent ministry, like you've been in the public eye for a whole load of reasons. And now we're going to give you one last chance to say farewell. Thank you. And here's your kind of commendation year. Um, but I think this is a um yeah I think it's a really nice thing for Baptists that we actually don't we've never sat on this kind of hierarchical view and we've we've kind of said actually there's something to be said for um anybody can be a president if they're Baptist that's what it means to be Baptist you just have to be Baptist we've got this really high view of laity mm, that's really interesting I haven't really thought about that um but I am always struck by our, our Methodist sisters and brothers and the lay person is always the vice president. It's never the yes, other way exactly. around. That does say something, doesn't it? It's a hierarchical comment, isn't it? That yeah. there's one person who may be potentially slightly more important. And yeah. I think that's a bit of a problem for me, actually. And that's probably why I'm a Baptist. Yeah. So, yeah. Whereas our vice president or is sometimes referred to as the president elect. It's really just the person sort of gearing up to be president the following year. So you never have that sort of hierarchical understanding of the two different roles, which I think is really interesting. Mm, absolutely. Um, Beth, can I ask you a question? Yes. Do you think any of them sounded like they actually wanted to do it? <laughs> so 
So we um had a conversation beforehand where we talked about what we were going to talk about. This was not on that list, David. <laughs> but I think I mean in a in a nice way. I'm just saying there were... I think what I heard was a lot of Christian I couldn't possibly offer myself into a role just yeah. in case it looks arrogant. Yes. And I, I you know, so I have a joke sometimes about um a minister of students, you can have to go through a door first. Like, <laughs> if you hang out, hey, no, you go first, you go first, you go first. And it's like, please, somebody just go through the door. Um, and um, and that's because I'm, I'm slightly less holy than all of them. Um, and also because I probably walk through the doors a lot more. But but kind of, I think it's a really interesting thing, isn't it? That I think we have a, a kind of Christian niceness that comes into play in moments like this where we're very nervous about campaigning. Or if we are campaigning, what is that shadow back boxing for? And and so actually there's a kind of whole thing of like, how do I say I really want this job? And I really think it's called, I'm called to be it actually. And that should be me. Because if you're not, then it's a real problem, potentially because you've misheard God or because... The church said no. And actually, I think, you know, my view of call is is more complex than simply it's we just hear the voice of God in our hearts and somehow we know it says, I think we hear the invitation of God to put ourselves forward, perhaps very vulnerably. Um, yes. And I read a beautiful thing at the other, recently about vulnerable meaning being open to be wounded in its original. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think so there is a level of like actually to put yourself forward vulnerably for something where you might you yeah. might receive the injury of being rejected. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. That it's the church's yes and amen to that yeah. call that ultimately makes it a call, which is also our Baptist yeah. theology of ordination, because actually, yeah. you know, ministers can go through the whole training and selection process. And if they're not called to the local church, don't get ordained, um, yeah. which is rubbish if you're female. But, you know, still a Indeed. thing. So, I'm, so I think it's not perfect, yeah. but it's an interesting thing, isn't it, that we have this real emphasis on the amen of the church. Yeah, I, I think that's such a helpful reflection. And I, I was struck very much by the vulnerability uh, from each of the, the candidates in putting themselves forward in this way. I mean, I confess, you know, whenever I contemplate anything, uh, I think, okay, if that doesn't happen, can I live with that not happening? Um and that's often the biggest reason for not being willing to do something. And so, you know, hats off to anyone who's willing to put their name out there. I think the other thing about that is that in any given year, say, for example, let's take a more theoretical year, you could end up with three, five, seven outstanding candidates who could all make just brilliant presidents. But I'm, I'm not sure I've ever been aware of a name coming back again if it doesn't happen that time. So you can have a year where there's no nominations and we've had that in our time. Mm-hmm. And then you can have other years where you have a wonderful array of presidential nominations, but very rarely, if ever, do people get nominated another time if they don't get elected. So I think, you know, you have some years where like where Tim, who's going to become president this year, he was the only name. So that's quite a different dynamic mm-hmm. to having four this time and you think well if one of them from this time had been last time then you'd add two and three it would have been all very different yeah uh, there's a whole interesting dynamic there as well i think i wonder why we don't renominate yeah i wonder if it's that people do feel it's just too vulnerable to do twice or yeah i mean imagine not getting it twice that yeah. would be a bit hard yeah i'm sure there are some people who would be far more um 
uh, sort of impervious to these things. You and I wouldn't cope with that, but I'm sure there are other people that would. Um, but then, but then perhaps if people are that blase about it, they're probably not the people we want to have serving. No, I don't this know. is also true. I don't know. Complex, isn't it? It is. Um, but talking about the process of, of nomination, obviously our four candidates this year uh, come to the process differently. So we have two candidates nominated by associations, as they can do. Um, and I know associations exercise that in different ways. Um, and then um, we have two candidates who've come to us by not being nominated by 25 members of assembly. Now, mm. up until quite recently, this, this wasn't something that happened very often. It was constitutionally, you know, obviously allowed to happen. But I think you were involved when this happened a little yeah. while ago, weren't you? Tell us about that. I think so. I was working for Baptist House at the time when I think this was maybe the first time it happened in quite a long time, perhaps ever. Um, and it was genuinely a moment of going and checking the rule book. You know, can this happen? What does this mean? How does this have to work? Um, and having to scrutinise that this is all of those people were members of assembly. So you need to know that if somebody has 25 nominations, um, there is a small team of people. Um, actually, it's Hillary. Let's be clear. It's Hillary who has God done bless all you, the Hillary. Checking. Thank you, Hillary. Um, Hillary is the reason the union exists, just so everybody else knows this. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of people that everybody gives the external credit to. Hillary is the quiet person who knows how things have to work according to the Constitution. Um, and so um, Hills went and I had to check everybody was genuinely a member of assembly that said they were <laughs> a member of assembly um, and exactly what qualifying connection that they had to that and all that sort of thing because you can be a member of assembly for lots of different reasons um, so it was a really interesting process to suddenly go oh okay well what happens when this happens because it, it become a thing that you like associations offered a name and it was usually an outgoing minister who was like, retiring and it was going to be that kind of year before retirement or just after retirement that they would serve as president and this was one of those uh options on the table that kind of shook that up and it was just kind of like oh how does this actually work and so at the very least we had to make sure that you know kind of from a kind of a political practical angle that it was absolutely it was absolutely done but actually what's nice what's really lovely is that's absolutely juvenile people to think we want this person to be our president we're going to nominate them and um and that's been really very lovely to watch because actually we've had a lot more, I think we've had a lot more presidential candidates as a result. So definitely. Well. I thought it's being new energy into the process. Yeah. Um, I, I, and I think that can be seen as an entirely positive thing. I think people are more engaged with this now than any time I've known over the last 20 years. Mm. Um, what it was like before that, obviously one can't speak to. But, <laughs> I'm not sure um, I could even go 20 years ago. So <laughs> I'm about to um, superior knowledge here. It's just another way of you reminding me that I'm older than you. I know what's going on. I'm not sure you're that much older than me. I think you're just better at being engaged in politics. The West Wing vibes are just too tempting for you. Well, um, I, can't, I can't can't be stopped. Um, and <laughs> But I guess the potential downside of that is that, I don't know, I guess I'm asking a question rather than making a statement. Do you think there's a way in which it kind of becomes more political is the wrong word um, no I think it's the right word let's be honest the right word okay it's, I think therefore you end up with candidates who are standing for movements within the union in different ways okay. yeah. and that might be really good and it might be really negative yeah. depending on your view um yeah. 
but you you find yourself with kind of the figurehead people who are mm. who are there because they give credence um to a particular community view um within our union that's sort of shadow boxing for a different conversation mm. and i think you know some of those conversations were named today quite explicitly that the they union were is currently yeah. debating and discussing and actually that's quite nice because that means it's it's on the table and it's open and it's out there and people know what people think about those things so i think mm-hmm. that's very helpful in a union that's quite divided um that people do know where people are but it does mean that we have a tendency to kind of group in a kind of partisan way around yes. kind of particular particular people. And what I found really helpful about listening to all of the candidates that we interviewed um, was that um, I actually felt really reassured because yes. actually there are some people you think theologically I agree with you here, you know, or, you know, kind of evangelistically I'd be here, you know, whatever it might be, pastorally I'm here with you, you know, wh- wherever you are with any of the people then to actually to realise they're all people yes. <laughs> and they've all got a story to tell about why they're Baptist and why they what they want to do and why they're here. And actually that for me was just really reassuring and very, um, I very moving actually. I think it was very moving that everybody sounded a little bit nervous and in that same sense of we don't want to put ourselves forward too much because, you know, we don't want to be too keen and then get like not get it um you know but actually there was something very lovely about hearing people saying things like I'm actually really grateful for being here um I'm really grateful for the union and I want to serve because I actually want to give something back to this community that's given something to me um I don't think that came out really clearly sorry no 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 I I think this came out really clearly in all of all of the interviews all long-standing commitment to uh, denomination mm. and all served in a variety of different ways in different places you know there's a real long-standing connection with all of them um and a deep a deep affection for our life together actually I think what however that's understood uh, and whatever one thinks about where it is at the moment mm. I think no one could doubt the and even the language we might use you know is yeah. it a union is it a network yeah. Is it an association? Yeah. Quite what are yeah. we using as our freight, our language reference points here, which is very interesting as well. Yeah. Definitely. But I, I think I I really echo that. I think feeling reassured. Well, I don't know if I needed reassuring, but I do feel reassured, even if I didn't. I just um I think having listened to them all, um, I just think, okay, whoever God calls to this, that's good. That like I've genuinely feel like having engaged in the process watched the videos read the profiles and now having had this conversation I feel like I could see great blessings and upsides whoever Mm. ends up being called to serve in this way you know and I'm not sure I felt like that before yeah um and if we think about kind of what the unions we said presidency is about which is about being a kind of a a uniting figure actually mm. maybe all of them in different ways offer that um you know and and I realized what people might want to unite around is different but but actually maybe there, there might be different things in each of them that that provide a real pl- place for the union to remember itself as a as a relational community um yeah. I think there was one candidate who described it as um stick around that's the thing 
Um, yeah, stick around. That was John, yep. wasn't it? I think, yep. um, and and I thought actually that's rather lovely um, as a as a way of defining what the union is. Um, but actually, there's something about the stick around ability of all of these candidates that's actually rather lovely. Um, yeah, actually, they've all got something from their long term experiences and ministries in the union to say, you know, I want this for us and. And that's a really nice thing to hear, especially mm. in that, in, if nothing else, that is encouraging. It's encouraging to hear three people say, I've got a vision for the union. And this is my vision for the union. Um, and I realised we didn't hear the fourth vision today, but you know, to have to have these four people saying, I've got a vision for the union in a time where the union maybe has felt a little bit more under pressure than there's mm. ever been before. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we should probably begin to draw this to a close um, today. But we want to say thank you uh, to to John and to Mark and to Steve uh, for sharing with us. And again, we send our, our love to Brian as well. Um, and thank everyone for tuning in and listening, especially if this is your first time listening to the podcast. You're very welcome to come and join us uh, in the future too, where we've got a new season uh, starting probably uh, just before, just after Easter, the mm. new series go uh, live we're starting some of those interviews in the next uh, week or two um, and or you, you can, can catch up on the back the back ah, log yes. of very brilliant interviews we've already done as well so you yep. don't even have to wait that far if you're new please go back in and catch up on the past series yeah lots of good interviews lots of great baptists out there to talk with and, and learn from um but we finish each episode with a blessing and usually we have a blessing each season but this is a one-off special so we thought we should have a one-off special uh, blessing and in fact we've found a blessing um that was uh, written um or at least contributed to this book of uh, prayers put together uh, in honor of john weaver actually pr- another former president called prayers of the people and um, it's a blessing written by roy searle um and attributed to him and the work of the northumbria community so we're going to finish with this blessing and then that'll be the end of the episode. Thank you for joining us. Thank you again for the interviewees. Um, it's been really good to do this slightly different podcast. Yeah. Thank you for being willing to offer yourselves. Um, we really appreciate that. Amen. So may the blessing of the living God be upon you this day. In every day and every way. May you know God's overshadowing around you, within you, and for you. And may the blessing, love, and affection of heaven be towards you. Amen. Amen.